0: Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started, if I could get your attention. Okay, so food will still continue to come out. Don't you worry for those that haven't gotten their food. Don't don't freak out, they're coming. So let's go ahead and start in a quick prayer. We can bless the food if you've already started, no big deal. Then we'll um, continue on. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you, loving and gracious Lord, for g- gathering us here this evening. Uh, we ask that you be with us Tonight, and that our hearts may be open to receive um, whatever it is that you want us to hear. That our hearts may be open, our souls may be open, our minds uh, to whatever you you have planned. And um, we ask that you just send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, and speak through David, our speaker. And. We ask the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is always with us, to surround us with angels, protect us, um, and show us what it means to be um, a humble, obedient servant as she was. And we ask that you bless the food, the hands that that prepared it, and those that will go without as we say, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So welcome to the second of a two-week series of Faith on Fire. Who was here last week? Raise your hand. Okay. And who brought a friend that was here last week and brought a friend? Oh, shoot. What happened? People. Okay. Well, the next, yes, the next time we do this, the object is to bring a friend Everyone that's here tonight, when you see Faith on Fire in the future, um, to, to bring someone maybe that isn't even practicing and doesn't even know much about their faith, but to step out of your comfort zone and to really try and evangelize and someone to say, hey, we're going to dinner. Let's learn. Uh, let's go eat and have a great time. So anyways, um, and raise your hand if you're new and you don't know what to expect and this first time you've ever been to Faith on Fire. Okay, great. So it's about half and half. David, yes, he's new. So, um, uh, welcome. We're very excited to see so many of you here tonight. We, uh, the hope is that we light you on fire about your faith, and to do that amongst a community of faithful um, people your own age. So, as you can see, um, you are not alone. Look around. Look to your right. Look to your left. Um, God never intended us to do to, to walk on this journey of faith alone. So to do this as part of community is critical. And we're going to hear at the end, we're going to do a couple announcements on ways to stay connected, um, whether you live out here in the East County or with other future diocesan events. So again, the hope is that you grow in your faith and your relationship with Christ, number one, and do it with each other in a community. So that's why we do these types of things. So it's just real exciting. Uh, We're real excited to see so many of you here tonight. So, um, the f- and my name is Carrie Giebel, I'm the part-time director of Young Adult Ministry, and um, yes, so the format for the evening is we're going to hear a speaker, um, we're going to have a Q&A, two speakers actually, we're going to have a Q&A session, and um, a small group discussion at your tables, and um, so with that in mind, I do want to apologize, Father Jacob Bertrand, who is one of my favorite priests ever. Um, and also a young adult, in fact, um, got sick last night and had to go to the emergency room. And he has vertigo, so please pray for him. I told him we would pray for him. Um, so he's home. He can't drive. He's thrown up all over the place, and he's all by himself. His pa- the pastor is on a sabbatical <laughs> for a couple months, so he's all alone, um, having to take care of the parish duties. And he was doing this as a favor to um, me and to this for you all. So he's sad he can't be here, but we're very blessed to have a pinch hitter. And David Bates, he specifically chose, this is David, um, to speak tonight on social media. And he's qualified because, number one, he has a blog, and number two, he's (laughs) very fired up about his faith, as you will see. And he's from England, so he's going to talk really fast, and you're going to have to strain your ears, as I do, I'm like, "What did you just say? What?" Especially talking on the phone. So we're gonna ask David to slow it down tonight, <laughs> huh? For me, especially the old people, the old people in this area, um, and we are recording it as well. So it will be on the website as we record most of the talks. Uh, we have been recording most of the theology on Tap Talks, and now Faith on Fire. What website do they go, what do they go on, Carrie? Yes, www.dot. Who knows it? Y-A-M-S-D. Or you can find it on David, the Restless Pilgrim. Yes, he will tell you. The Restless Pilgrim is his blog. But yamsd.org is where all this is going to be. Uh, you're going to be able to find all this information about young adult ministry. Y-A-M San Diego. Young Adult Ministry, Diego.org. So with that in mind, the topic, as you know, is social media and faith. How to, be, uh, how to use it rather than be used by it. So David's going to talk about 25, 20, 25 minutes. And then we're very blessed to have Timory Millington, who also has her own blog and is a young adult and a student at JP Catholic University, share her experience of um, how she's used social media to evangelize and to make a difference in this world. And it's a very powerful, something very tangible. So she's going to talk at the end. Then we're going to have uh, questions and then we'll do a small group discussion. So with that, please help me welcome, who is very gracious, again, this was at 12 noon today. Pulled it together, as, as you will see, very on it, very on it, David Bates. Help me welcome.
1: It's, it's, it's funny, when we start, first started talking about doing something separate for the younger young adults, um at the planning meeting i got really excited i thought that's a brilliant idea and then i found out that you guys got father jacob and the talk was on social media and i really wanted to come but carrie said i couldn't because i'm too old so it's kind of funny that i did actually end up making it here but i'm now on this side of the microphone rather than 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 that one It proves if nothing else that god has a sense of humor um, I'll set the time just so I don't overrun <laughs> <laughs> and God's sense of humour <laughs> um okay it reminds me um there was a father and son. They went to Mass together, and when the uh, Mass began and the uh, deacon walked in holding the Gospel book, the little boy said, Daddy, w- w- why why is it golden? Why are they carrying it in? And he said, well, son, you know, it's it's the Gospel. It's the Word of God. It's very important to us. That's why it's in gold, and that's why they're carrying it in. Um, so we went, oh, okay, okay. And then when it came time for the Gospel, the acolytes took the candles and, and escorted the deacon as he went to proclaim the Gospel, and the son again went, what's this all about? He says, well... You see, you know, uh, God's word is, is, is light to us. It gives us light and darkness. And Jesus himself is the light of the world. And he went, okay, okay, okay. And then the priest, then at the, when it came time for his homily, he put his watch up on the lectern so he could see it. And the son said, what does that mean, daddy? And he says, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite well known for my poor quality of jokes. So, Does anyone know who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? It was Samson, because he brought the house down. (laughs) See, this is why the servers aren't here anymore, because those doors are now locked. (laughs) (laughs) So the talk tonight is social media and the faith, how to use it without being used by it. So who's the English guy? As Carrie said, Um, I was drafted in at midday today, which meant that I had my lunch break to think about what I might say, uh, and then about an hour and a half after work to put together a presentation. So I think before we go any further, let's pray again. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, you are in control. If we rest in you, we are exactly where we need to be. We ask for your healing hand upon Father Jacob, who serves your church so well. Please bring him back to full health, and please guide my words this evening, Um, safe in the knowledge that if anything touches anyone here, it certainly can't be due to anything that I've done or anything that I've prepared, but that it is the work of your Spirit. And as always, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will never shall be world without end. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. So um, a little bit about me. Um, I am English, which as Carrie says makes me sometimes hard to understand, but I do recognize the look in people's eyes when it sort of goes glassy and I can tell that they've stopped listening to what I'm saying and just listening to the pretty sounds coming out of the Englishman's mouth. I moved to San Diego nearly three years ago Um, And I work for a software company in San Diego, in uh, Hillcrest. Uh, So technology is what I do for a living. And we have very large companies come to us that understand that this stuff is important. Um, And so, for example, one of the projects that my company is working on is Halo with Microsoft. And they understand very well the importance of social media. Um, In terms of my spiritual journey, I was... uh, brought up Catholic. My mother was Catholic. Um, and then when I was about university, I had a big awakening of my faith. You know, I, I met some wonderful Catholic missionaries who really just set me on fire. Um, but as I got a little older, as I left university and went out into the wide world and didn't have that community anymore, I grew more and more disenchanted with the Catholic church. And so for about two, three years, I started going to a Protestant church. And I Absolutely loved it. They were superb to me. They really nurtured the love of God's word. Um, and they were my family. They, they made me love my faith even more. But after a little while, I started seeing problems with Protestant theology, like Sola Fide and Sola Scriptura. And then I eventually returned to the Catholic Church. Um, but then on April 10th, 2007, something monumental happened. You know, My life was turned upside down. I got a Facebook account. <laughs> I was suddenly immersed in the world of statuses, pokes, and digital sheep. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Uh, social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Flickr, Dig. And given the age restriction for this event, I'm assuming you all know this pretty well. I mean, I got my... Facebook accounts in my second job after university who here got their Facebook account at university who got it at high school (laughs) oh I just feel old (laughs) I bet bet you all still have the year of your birth on your Facebook profiles after you get above the age of about 25 that tends to disappear you like to keep people guessing Um, but you know It's stating the obvious, social media has just exploded. Facebook, if it were a country, would be the third largest country in the world. You know it's popular when it overtakes porn as the number one activity on the web, social media. And every single day, 1.5 million pieces of content, so links, uh, pictures of lolcats, blog posts from excellent blogs such as The Wrestler's Pilgrim um, get posted and shared. And this was one particularly troubling statistic I found. Uh, Britney Spears has more Twitter followers than Israel, the population of Israel, Ireland, Norway, and Sweden. And if that doesn't upset you, I don't really know what will. (laughs) But what has this got to do with us, you know? So, what? It's exploded. Well, speaking personally, social media has been so important. You know, I live on another continent as the rest of my family and a very large number of my friends. Um, and it's been through this modern technology that I managed to, you know, stay in contact with my friends that I knew, you know, English ones, um, and also all of my family. And it's because of modern technology that I get to keep in contact with. Uh, my godson and my niece. Oh.
2: <laughs>
1: I promised my sister I'd get a picture of my niece in the, in the talk. <laughs> and um, my mo- the only reason that my mother created a Facebook account was just to go and look at my page and see what I'm doing. People keep sending her friend requests, and she just keeps turning them down. I am her one and only friend. So that's for me personally, but what about as Catholics? You know, what, so what about all of this social media? Well, the real strength and the, the purpose of this social media is all about communication. And communication, the purpose of it is to build relationships, to build friendships, ones that are strong and, uh, and, and stable. And that is, that is ultimately the goal of social media from the world's point of view, And also from the church's point of view, because we want people to have good, solid relationships and good, solid friendships. But more than anything else, we want to introduce a friendship in everyone's life that's the most important one, the relationship with God. And this is what Pope Benedict said um, on the World Day of Communications. He says, church communities have always used the modern media for fostering communication, engagement with society, and increasingly for encouraging dialogue at a wider level. Yet the recent explosive growth and greater social impact of these media make them all the more important for a fruitful priestly ministry. So, our Holy Father understands the importance of these, uh, these communication tools. And these are the three levels that I was thinking about. They improve communication, communications foster friendship, and ultimately we can use it for evangelization. So the first one, communication. I'm assuming most of you came here because you either got a text, an email, or a Facebook invite, or all three. <laughs> you know, this, this, is, this, is how, this is how church can work. This is, this is how church can operate by t- making use of these uh, social media sites and coordinating with one another. There in San Diego and all across America, there have recently been um, various protests uh, for religious liberty. And all of those have taken place by Twitter and Facebook and all those other sites. And also, all of these kinds of technology can be used to help um, present the parish to the world. You know, it's no longer acceptable for a parish to not have a website or to have one that looks like it was made by a two-year-old. You know, with the blinking tag, animated little little pictures. No, that that's not good enough anymore. And the other thing about communication is all of the resources that are out there if you want to grow in our faith. And I said, you know, I started seeing problems with my Protestant church's theology, and I started re-examining my Catholic faith. And I did that primarily online, particularly through the Ministry of Catholic Answers with their podcasts and their internet forums, because you know, this was in the days before Facebook. Yes, it did exist before Facebook. You know, I, I don't know how did people know what I was eating before then I couldn't take pictures I couldn't Instagram <laughs> so communication that's one of the one of the things that social media brings but also friendship I want to read this quotation because it's one of my favorite um, from the book of Sirach faithful friends are a sturdy shelter whoever finds one finds a treasure faithful friends are beyond price no amount can balance their worth Faithful friends are life-saving medicine. Those who fear God will find them. Those who fear the Lord enjoy stable friendship, for as they are, so will their neighbors be. Through social media, I'm still in contact with all of my, social, um, all of my spiritual mentors back in England. You know, I, ha- I had people who were deeply involved with my own journey, with my own conversion, with my own work, with the walk with the Lord, and thanks to Facebook, I get to stay in contact with them. I also had the, the privilege of teaching Confirmation, um, and I'm still in, uh, still in contact with a lot of those kids. You know, they're now you know, grown up at university, starting jobs, but through these social media, I still have access you know, into their lives, and I've had a couple of them reach out to me when they've really needed help. So again, there's a great possibility here, but there are some dangers you've all been at a table at some point with somebody like this you know people sitting away texting and communicating with everyone else in the world and on the internet except the person they're sitting opposite the danger of social media is that our friendships can become shallow passive superficial dumbed down and actually replace real relationships and this is speaking of somebody who did computer science at university you know, when most of the people I knew, most of their best friends were online, who they'd actually never met, and that's what made it perfect. <laughs> but also, there is a very legitimate addictive quality to this. You know, to, uh, and, you know, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, he said, the glory of God is seen through man fully alive. How many people do you think are fully alive, spend all their time checking their phone, ignoring the entire world around them? The people that were right in front of them because they're checking their Facebook status or, you know, seeing, you know, what their friend's dog's Facebook page now says. <laughs> but there, there, is another, there is another danger here. This is how we used to communicate in the olden days. You know, to, to, for me to communicate with my parents back home, I would have to go and buy some stationery, you know, a quill pen, I would take some time composing my letter. I would then go down to the corner store, buy the appropriate stamp. I would mail it, wait you know, probably several months and then eventually get a reply and then repeat the whole process to send it back. The trouble is, is now we don't have to wait ever. You have a thought in your head, you can put it on the internet right now. You, you don't need to sit and wait and think, is this a good idea, or would anybody really care to know that I'm currently sitting on the toilet? You know, <laughs> you, your brain can now completely bypass that whole process. You don't even have to wait until you're finished. You can do it whilst you're there. You've got your phone. And, and this, is, this is the problem. You know, I, I, I had a friendship with somebody who, it was great, and then they, they, they said something that really ticked me off, and I didn't wait. I immediately blasted them on Facebook. And the advantage of doing it like that is that then everyone can see it, you know, and that relationship took a real beating through that because I just responded in anger, i didn't wait, I just typed and hit enter and The other danger is because a lot of this is text it's very hard to get tone and sarcasm. you know how many times have you have you met somebody that they've gone i can't believe you said that about me and it's like just kidding. <laughs> so, as great as the communication is, social media allows us to do it much more quickly. As Proverb says, "A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit." And thanks to the internet, we can now crush somebody's spirit much quicker and in front of everyone else. Lastly, evangelization. In the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The second largest religious group in the world, if you you pull them all together, would be ex-Catholics. That's a problem. There is a world out there who has walked away, and there's a world out there who have never heard the Catholic faith. And new media gives us a real opportunity here. And the church has been pretty slow on the uptake. You know, when radio came out and TV, you know, we had Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and the Catholics were definitely at the head of the media. But with this whole Internet thing, we've been very slow. You know, Pope Benedict has referred to it as a a continent, and it's an unchurched continent. You know, the Internet is one of the most secular places you can really go. Now, fortunately, in recent years, there have been great improvements. Uh, Has anyone seen Father Robert Barron's YouTube videos? Yeah, yeah. And so the Catholics are generally starting to get on the ball here, but we've been very slow. Now, on your Facebook page, you have friends who aren't Catholic, who aren't Christian. They could be another religion. They could be agnostic. They might never read the Gospel of Matthew, but they will definitely read your Facebook page at some point. This might be the only gospel that somebody ever sees. And the way you interact in that public forum can have a huge effect on somebody. You know, whether you're just talking about contemporary issues. But whatever you do, this is what I would say would be your ultimate goal. Present the wisdom the truth and the beauty of the church. You know, I, I've been involved quite a bit with, with apologetics, to responding to people who attack the Catholic faith or the Christian faith. But it's not all about apologetics. You know, when we go online, we need to present people the beauty of the church, the wisdom that she has to offer. You know, music, art. The Catholic Church has been about this for 2,000 years, showing everyone the beauty of the faith in as many ways as possible. And it's time we brought it to that digital continent. But of course, there are dangers, again. These online forums are a great place for dialogue and debate. But wherever God is, the devil's going to be as well. And fruitful debate can very quickly descend into mudslinging. And it's very easy to win an argument and to lose a soul. You know, yeah, I proved my point. But that person is going to be left with a very bitter taste in their mouth. As I said before, show them the truth, the beauty, the wisdom of the Catholic faith. So as you're online, don't post anything that you wouldn't say to somebody's face. I told you, my mum is my Facebook friend. <laughs> I don't put anything online that I know that she wouldn't like, because she will read it. This is our job, to plant seeds. You know, we're frail human beings, but we're called to plant seeds. You know, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, he said, you know, some of the seed will fall on on the path, some on rocky ground, some among weeds but some of it will fall among, among rich soil. And this is our job. We are called to plant seeds. We might not see the end result of anything, but we're just called to be faithful. You never know what a particular saint quotation might just put an idea in somebody's head. I remember in my, when I came to my faith at university, I heard the words of St. Augustine, Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they will wander restless until they rest in you. Those words have just haunted me. I realized that I needed God. It was just that one little phrase. So you never know what little piece of information you put on, on your Facebook page or on your YouTube channel that might just cause somebody to think, might just cause them to open their heart to God. And in this, I, back in England, I had a friend called Maggie. Uh, we went salsa dancing together. Uh, And that was the only place where I knew her. We made polite chit-chat whilst we were dancing, and that was pretty much it. She came to the classes, often came to the club. Somehow she found me online one day, and she had found my blog. And she said, oh, I didn't realize you were a Christian. I was like, yeah, yeah. I said, have you got a chance to talk about it sometime? So we got together, we had a drink, and she started telling me about her journey and her her problems with the the faith that she had walked away from. And I was able to answer some of her questions and to point her in directions of places where I knew that there would be people who would help her further. I was just one little, little, little cog in that process. But it was thanks to social media that she was able to do that. So, it's time to start wrapping up. So, these are my top 10. Oh, sorry. This is my blog. <laughs> How did that get in there? (laughs) So the top 10 ways to make sure you use social media without getting used by it. Number 10, Catholic and proud. On virtually all of these social media sites, you have the opportunity to put down your religion. Now you could just play it safe and say, love God, which is nice, but be Catholic and proud. If you're proud of your Catholic faith, and share it with the world. Number nine. What happens in Vegas stays on Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> in the letter to the Philippians, Paul says, you shine like stars uh, in a twisted and corrupt world. It's very hard to shine like stars or to be a city on a hill when you're posting pictures that you probably shouldn't have taken in the first place, let alone posted on Facebook. Um, It ruins the credibility of the faith, and it ruins the credibility of your own witness. Number eight. Don't post while you're angry. As I said earlier, you know, I I very nearly killed a relationship, a friendship, a very good friendship, because I responded, I posted something when I was angry. If you have the slightest inkling that You might not be in the best possible frame of mind to write a critique of somebody else's personality. Sleep on it. Number seven, don't tweet and drive. It can wait. I know it's very tempting when when your, your phone beeps at you and you go, oh, I have another follower or somebody sent me a message. You can wait until you get to wherever you're going. Number six, don't be dumb with your smartphone when talking in person. So, as I said before, we're really good at just checking our Facebook status, just sending a tweet whilst we're sitting at dinner with other people. And if you have friends that do this a lot, I would suggest this challenge. When you sit down for the meal, take your phone and place it in the center of the table. Get them to place their phone on top, and everyone at the table puts their phone one on top of the other. The first person who reaches for their phone before the bill comes has to pay the entire bill. This is one way to ensure a decent conversation. And if you've got a really flaky friend, it's a good way of getting a free dinner. (laughs) Number five. Put your phone on vibrate, always. It's the same thing. You know, our faith teaches us that we are each made in the image and likeness of God. Do you want to put the image and likeness of God on hold whilst you're, you know, uh, updating your Facebook comment when you're having an argument with somebody as to, you know, uh, whether you think Justin Bieber's hair is now cool? No. (laughs) Nobody needs to know each time you get an email, a Facebook message, a tweet. You can wait. Number four. Consume Catholic Media. There's 1000 AM. There's various sites where you get a, a saint quote or a Bible quote a day. There are excellent blogs and podcasts. There's so much material out there. If you want to grow in your Catholic faith, you can do it for free and get some of the best teachers in the world. So yes, good blogs. Oh, sorry. Don't know how that got in there again. Yeah, I don't know how my Restless Pilgrim blog got in here again. That's .net. Okay. Three, we have a holy app for that. If you've got an iPhone or a Droid, there are loads of different Catholic apps that can really help you. There are ones that will help you do an examination of conscience, (laughs) keep track of your sins prior to confession. Um, If any of you uh, pray the liturgy, of the hours, so morning prayer, night prayer, you can get that automatically down to your phone. And if you don't even want to say it, you can actually get it down in audio form. There's loads of different apps that can help you grow in your faith to. Be a good friend. You know, arguments will only get you so far as you go out into the world. What people want are authentic relationships. And Facebook, YouTube, all the other social media sites, they are an extension of that. So if you treat people badly there... (laughs) They're not going to want to be your friends anymore. Or they might keep you around just to keep their friend count nice and high. But they won't want to be your friend. And you can use these sites to keep track of people that you might have lost contact with. You know, that, that friend who, ah, I wonder how they're doing. Be the kind of person that will send them, you know, a poke out of the blue. And ask them how they're doing. Number one. Post one thing a day about Jesus, his church, or your faith. As I said, the internet is one of the most secular places in the world. You know, it's got some of the worst stuff out there. It's time to take it back. It's time to flood it with wisdom, beauty, goodness. The apostles used the technology and the social forums of their day. So St. James wrote an epistle and sent it out. That'd be sort of like a blog post. St. Mark was St. Peter's secretary. So as Peter was preaching in Rome, Mark wanted to record that so that more people would get to hear it. And so he wrote the Gospel of Mark. That'd be sort of like a podcast. And as St. Paul journeyed around on all of his missionary tours, he went to those centers of communication he went to the synagogues, he went to the marketplaces, wherever people gathered. When he was in Athens, he went to the Areopagus and spoke with the, uh, with the philosophers there. And there's a little lesson for us in that. His preaching there wasn't that successful. Most people laughed at him and went, "Ah, yeah, come back another day." But those, that was the beginning of the church in Athens that's now vibrant today. He was sowing seeds. It was God who made them grow. If St. Peter and Paul had been alive today, they would use social media. I'm sure they would. They would use YouTube and they would use Facebook. And we can tell this because St. Peter's successor has his own website and he also has Facebook and YouTube. But this is the the main point that I want to leave you with. You might see in churches um, AMDG. Ad majorum dei gloriam, to the greater glory of God. This is the purpose of life, to be fully alive and to point to our creator, point to our source of life, to give the glory to him. And our online life is an extension of that. So in everything, in our life, in our work, in our study, in our Facebook and YouTube accounts, in everything, we must give glory to God. And I wanted to end, did you know there's a patron saint of the internet? Saint Isildur of Seville. So I just wanted to end just by praying this. Almighty and eternal God, we beseech thee that through the example of Saint Isidore, bishop and doctor, during our journeys through the internet, we will direct our hands and eyes only to that which is pleasing to thee and treat with charity and patience all those souls whom we encounter. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We now have our next speaker.
2: Guys, my name is Tim Ray. Um, normally, I'm here, sitting where you guys are. I'm super excited to be sharing with you guys. I got a f- phone call, like at about 12 o'clock today, um, as I'm coming out of Mass, I'm about to head into my next class. And can you talk tonight on social media? I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, I got out of class at 6:30 and came straight here. So I haven't had a ton of time to um, walk through this, but I really think that it's a blessing that I was able to come here today because. Um, the story I'm going to share with you actually kind of hit a climax this weekend and today after I posted online that I was coming here. So um, thank you so much for your talk. That was beautiful. It really was. A little brief, quick background about me. Um, I'm a student at John Paul the Great Catholic University. Some of my JP Catholic people here. Hey, guys. I am studying new evangelization, so social media is huge to me. I love social media. Um, I had MySpace when I was 12, (laughs) and then Facebook when I was, like, pretty young, too. So, um, yeah, you know those things where you really wish you hadn't posted online? I did that when I was younger. But now I'm addicted to Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. I have this little phone, and I have to be really good about not playing with it when I'm around people because I love social media. Um, But my background, really quickly, is um, I grew up in the pro-life movement. I grew up Catholic. And um, when I grew up kind of at the side of my mom doing a ton of pro-life work, I got got into lobbying on a state and national level, and then I became a national spokesperson for an organization when I was 15. Um, And I've been on Fox News, CNN, EWTN, um, and radio shows all across the country, including local stuff. And so um, I got really into social media. I basically was doing PR for organizations since I was about 15 years old. And so um, this is a huge passion of mine, and I've done it in an area focusing on new evangelization, but particular to pro-life messages. I have my own blog now called Timory.com. So that's kind of where my um, story comes from, and it's a really, really sad story. So bear with me as I kind of share this with you. I've actually never shared this story with anyone before other than a couple friends. So um, I have this blog and a, a quick backstory. Um, some of you guys may be familiar with Culture of Life Family Services. I think Dr. Delgado is coming to speak like, next week or something. Um, well, Culture of Life Family Services, um, Dr. Delgado has been the only um, person successful at reversing RU486. Um, I'm going to assume everyone knows, but RU486 is a chemical abortion, and you take two sets of pills. The, um, the first pill you take, and then the next one you take, like within a day or something like that. And basically, what it does is it um, Stops the progesterone levels of a woman's pregnancy, so that the baby is no longer able to stay within the wall of the uterus, and um, a couple of days later, she usually ends up going into labor and giving birth to a dead unborn child. And a woman can take this up to six weeks into her pregnancy, um, and so that's what RU four eighty six is. And so I posted on my blog a prayer request from Dr. Delgado about a year ago, and um, It was prayer requests um, for this young woman who had taken the first pill of RU-486, and she just changed her mind. She contacted Dr. Delgado, and Dr. Delgado prescribed her um, high dosages of progesterone. Everyone across the country was praying for her. We had prayer requests going all over the place. And successfully, they were able to stop the abortion process. And she gave birth to a beautiful, beautiful child this year. Um, and so, this prayer request and like updated parts of this story is on my blog. Well, take it about six months later, I think it was in like January or February. I'm getting out of a dance class. I happen to check my phone as I get out, and I have an e- email come up, f- um, and it lets me know that I have a comment on my blog post. And it was that blog post. And the comment says, I quote, I did the same thing today. I don't want to go through with the abortion. Please email me. She gave me her email address. And then she said, I have immediate access to progesterone. I look at the time, and this was sent two minutes before. So, this girl named Melissa um, sent me this message. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, okay. So I email her really quick, and I'm like, I'm just going to stay in the parking lot. She might check her phone right away. So sure enough, she emails me back within 30 seconds. So we end up talking back and forth. We end up exchanging cell phone numbers, and um, her boyfriend's in the room, so she doesn't want to talk in person um, or over the phone. So we're just texting back and forth. And she shares with me she's taken the first pill of RU486, And, um, she changed her mind. You know, what, what does she need to do? She works, um, at a pharmaceutical company and so she has access to progesterone. And, um, so I said, okay, well, you know, we want to make sure you're getting like a healthy amount of progesterone, like not too much or too little. you have already taken this pill and she's already bleeding profusely and she's in a ton of pain. When you, when a woman, um, goes in for the RU486 pill. She's given a bag with two sets of pills and some painkillers, and that's it. And that's how she's expected to lose her child. You guys have to recognize that these women are so being like dehumanized. It's atrocious. So um, I get I get on the phone right away. It's about 7 p.m. at night on a Friday night, and I stop, start calling Dr. Delgado, and like literally everyone's trying to get a hold of him. We're like emailing on Facebook on um via text message and we're trying to get a hold of him within five minutes I've got Dr. Delgado ready to go into the um into the office to wait for this woman and I'm texting the woman back and forth and she said you know my boyfriend he won't let me go so I can't go until he's off of work tomorrow morning or he's at work tomorrow morning and she said you know I'm just going to suffer through it she said I'm scared that he's like He's going to hurt me if I try to come. So um, for her safety, she stayed home that night. And so I text her late into the night, and um, she was having severe bleeding. And um, her cramp, she said it was the worst thing she's ever felt in her life. So the next morning, I wake up at about 4 or 5 a.m., and um, I have a text message from her, and and I'm saying, you know, just checking in because her appointment's at 8 a.m., and she said, um, she Ray, I ended up in the emergency room last night, and she, uh, she was bleeding so bad. It, w- it was atrocious, you guys. She was in the bathtub, and she had blood everywhere. And um, they ended up having to call the ambulance, and she ends up in the hospital. And the doctor tells her, even though the baby, they do an ultrasound, the baby's there, the baby's okay. Um, they tell her, if you do not take the second set of pills, your child will be born deformed. She's terrified, even though she wants to keep her child. So she takes the second set of pills, and they just send her home. She was in a horrible state. She ne- never, ever should have been sent home like that. So she's texting me throughout that day, and she's heartbroken because she knows there's nothing that can be done now. And um, she just keeps texting me for the next two days. And she ended up, sure enough, um, her baby died. And she ends up at home. The baby um, is delivered dead. Um, and she has the little baby about this big, and she buries the child in her in a jewelry box in her backyard, literally. And um, Melissa stays in contact with me, and she's just so heartbroken. And uh, she she says that you know she knows that she didn't do anything. She knows that she did something wrong. But she said, what was, what I feel was so much worse was the way that they treated me at that clinic and the way they treated me at the doctor's office. And she says, I hold complete fault for what I've done, but um, I've taken the life of my child. And she said, but Timur, I want to share with you something. She said, I didn't tell you this before. She said, I am um, not religious at all, and I need to tell you that it's a miracle that I found you. She said, I... I feel like you were put in my path for a reason. I don't know why, even though I lost my child, I feel like I have a true friend a friend here. And so um, she ends up telling me that she took the first set of pills on Friday, about an hour before she contacted me. And she's driving home from work that night. And she's driving, and on the side of the road, there's a sign that says, um, God loves you. And she's thinking, like, I've never really thought about God much. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, there's a God? And this is a baby. What have I done? So she gets home. She gets on her phone. And she quickly Googles how to stop an RU486 abortion. And coincidentally, my blog's the first thing that comes up. And my Twitter. Top two things on that Google search. I've even, I've even searched it later. And, like, it didn't come up as some of the first things. And um, coincidentally, she lived here in San Diego as well. And Dr. Delgado is here in San Diego, that, that doesn't happen every day. Most women who have this situation are like in Las Vegas and we end up contacting them back and forth. And so she co- she doesn't know how to get a hold of me so she just comments and I get her comment two minutes later and I happen to respond. Would this have been possible if we didn't have vlogs? Would this have been possible if we didn't have text messaging or Twitter? I wouldn't have even known to pray about this woman from Kolfs if it weren't for Twitter. And so she shares this with me, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, there are times where I just want to delete my Facebook and get rid of it. It's time consuming. There's so many negative things, but there's a lot of good too, and same with blogging. You just wonder if it's pointless, and it's stories like these where you're reminded of no, you know, you're put in that woman's life for a reason, and so we're heartbroken that she lost the baby. We end up um, becoming Facebook friends, and we've stayed in contact. It's been about, oh gosh, like seven or eight months now, And um, she comments on my stuff all the time. And she's, like, super, super um, pro-same-sex marriage. She's, like, coming around to being pro-life since her experience. But she's got a very liberal and non-Christian background. So I'm posting, like, stuff like Mother Teresa quotes, pictures of the baby developing in the womb. And she's always commenting on my stuff, like, um... She recently she commented on a post I put up about Romney and she's like, "Oh, she's like, I like his running mate, but um I don't know about Romney. You know, what do you think?" And so we end up getting into this conversation and she's coming around. And it's all because of this experience. And so we've been able to stay in touch and uh and I probably hadn't talked to her for about a month, but you know, we talk a little bit like commenting on each other's stuff on Facebook. And on it was this Friday night, um or Friday morning, I wake up and I have, um, I check my Facebook really quick. Um, it's a habit now because I've had a number of women contact me needing um, counseling. So I I check my Facebook and there's a message from Melissa and she said, "Timory, she said, it's an emergency. Call me now, please. My friend's pregnant. So I get her phone number and I'm calling her really quickly. And um, she said, my friend's 21 weeks along. She's adamant about getting RU an RU486 abortion. So I took her. Um, and I was like, no, you like, come on, let me talk to you about this. She shared with her her story and her friend was adamant. She said, you know, at least let someone be with you. She said, I was practically all alone. I don't want you to be alone at the very least. So she went with her friend. They ended up finding out she's 21 weeks along. And so she can't have RU 486 because the cap's way before that. And so, um, they ended up telling her, you know, you can have a procedure done and we'll schedule you for next week. And so she goes home. She goes, I don't want this child. So she starts working out profusely, trying to miscarry intentionally. And she's working out a ton, and Melissa's just trying to talk her down and sharing with her about her baby. So Melissa's going, what do I do, Timory? Like she said, this is, I think this is why we're friends. She said, I think this is why, even though I lost my baby, why we're friends right now. And so through Facebook, we're sending stuff back and forth. I, sent, I find a video of this 21-week preborn child, a sonogram of the baby moving in the womb. She ends up sending it to her friends. So again, social media, YouTube, a video this woman posted of her own child being sent to this woman now who's about to have an abortion and is trying to miscarry her child herself. And so she ends up showing her friend the, the video, and she just keeps talking to her using text message and Facebook. And um, throughout the weekend, we're all praying for her. I was on a retreat. And had a, I'm like, Father Nathan, here's what's going on. Please pray. And I was telling all the girls on the retreat, I said, we need you guys to pray. And so we praying and praying and praying. And um, late last night, I texted Melissa, you know, what's going on? You know, how, how's she doing? And she said, She decided to keep her baby. The baby's okay. We're getting her into Dr. Delgado for a sonogram. The boyfriend's on board, and we're just praying that the baby's going to be okay. We're just praying, you know. She's still pregnant right now, thank God. But oh, my gosh. I just at that moment, I'm thinking, you know, for every Facebook status that might be ignored, even if it's religious, for anything, every blog you post that takes forever to put together and you put up, If but one person chose life for their child, would it be worth it? You know, Melissa will never have an abortion again after her experience. Even though it was awful, she has come to be healed. She has come to know Christ. Melissa is now going to church. About a week after losing her child, she calls me and she's like, hey, can we go to church? Let's go to breakfast. I I hadn't even met her yet, and she's asking to come to church. So kind of to close this up a little bit, um, I almost had to completely change my talk for tonight because I post on Facebook like, hey guys, if anyone's in San Diego, I'm going to be speaking on fire tonight. And um, guess who's the first person to comment? Melissa. She said, oh my gosh, no way, I'm going to try to go. And I look at one of my friends I go, I'm talking about her. I don't know what to do. Like, you guys, she hasn't done this to me before. I, like, started panicking, and I'm actually in class. I shouldn't have been on my phone, but I was. Thank God I was because it gave me time. (laughs) It gave me time to sit in class and think about, Okay, if she's there, what am I going to say? And I had other stories, but, like, this is the story I wanted to tell. And if she's there, I can't tell it. So, so literally, Bernadette and I, like, throughout while you were talking, I'm sitting here checking, like, she hasn't texted me yet. I'm scared to text her, and all of a sudden, she's reminded, and she'll show up. You know, I want her to come. She's not Catholic. I want her to, of course, be here, but um, I kind of wanted to share her story. So that's my story that I have to share. And just two things really briefly I'd like to say. She's not the only one. You know, my personal Twitter, my personal Facebook, I've just tried to be accessible to people about my faith, about pro-life things. And on Twitter, I've even had this woman from the UK contact me via Twitter counseling her back and forth in 140 character messages about her pregnancy and how she's going through morning sickness. And she was deaf, She couldn't talk to someone on the phone, which is why she hadn't called any of the pregnancy resource centers, and all the pregnancy resource centers in the U.K. didn't have Twitter. So she found someone online who had Twitter. That way she could communicate back and forth. You know, there are countless stories that I could share But I share this with you because while there's so much negativity on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, there's so much good. It brings together people from across the world, literally. We're brought in to be one community. We can promote truth. And part of the reason why why Melissa stayed in contact with me was because she said, I see truth. And God, our faith, is nothing but truth. So you guys, use social media. And remember, my... A priest has said this once, and I wrote it down while we were in Mass on my iPhone. Um, while we were in Mass, because I didn't want to forget it. And it, he said, the only gospel some people will ever encounter will be the one you live. And that includes what is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, MySpace, if anyone still uses that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what I have to share with you guys. And I hope that um, hope that you guys will use your social media for the common good. Thank you guys.
0: Thank you, Timory and David. Um, are there any questions that are burning before we get into small groups of four to talk about some questions? Any questions are for Timory or David experts? Oh yes. A oh, this is a gift if you ask a question. <laughs> Any takers? <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, this, this is really, this isn't about new media. This is people in general. You know, how do you live out your faith? And, I mean, yeah, you can very easily fall into certain categories, you know. that you know, It's like the person that, you know, they will wedge Jesus into any conversation no matter what. You know, it's like, you know, you sit down at a restaurant. Oh, can I have a glass of water, please? That reminds me, do you know who walked on water? <laughs> Let me tell you about Jesus, you know. So, you know, <laughs> so, sometimes people are very clearly, they have a mission to get Jesus into this conversation somehow. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd go back to what I said. You know, our faith is beautiful. You want to show people beauty. You know, if you're talking about abortion, it's so much better to talk about children. You know, if you're talking about porn, it's so much better talking about marriage and self-sacrificing for one another to present the beauty of the faith more than just the, well, you're evil, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You've got about three years in purgatory for what I saw you do last week. <laughs> you, I think you're good. You know. We want to present the faith in the most beautiful and attractive way possible. And I didn't say it in my talk, but Pray, you know, before any conversation, you know, if you feel, you know, if you're just, you know, at school with people or at work with people and you feel the conversation is heading into, you know, a faith-related territory, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me here. You know, may my words be your words. And trusting in him is probably the best thing that you could ever do. But, like I said, Paul at the Areopagus, most people ridiculed him. Most people went, ah, oh, he's talking about foreign divinities. Eh, it's just another, just another one of those kooky preachers. And that has been the story of Christianity for 2,000 years. You know, the faith has been presented, and some people have walked away. Some people have ridiculed it. But other people have embraced it. As Tim Murray said, it's, it's for those people that you do this. Um, and I would just put it almost around the other way. What would happen if you didn't speak? You know, you might be... Missing an opportunity to let God work through you to bring another person just maybe just a little bit, maybe just one small degree closer to you, closer sorry, closer to him
2: down um, you have to own whatever you have up there, and you want to feel comfortable with it, right. Because if people are going to comment challenging you, which I will tell you is rare to begin with, unless it's something really controversial like abortion or, say, same-sex marriage, um, I would start with something like saint quotes. And I'm not telling you to, some people may think that's a cop-out. But, you know, the things that the saints say are so beautiful and point so quickly to Christ. It's something that's not so controversial. And, you know, you could do something like a Bible quote. I do stuff like that. And people aren't going to challenge you on the saints and Bible quotes. I've never had anyone do that. And I have a lot of people who disagree with me on Facebook and Twitter. And... um. So I would do that, first of all. But, like, even if you have maybe something that you want to say that's a little more controversial, I've actually had times where I know I'm going to post this, and I'll ask a couple of my friends, like, hey, I'm going to post this. Might you feel comfortable if someone, like, says something? Like, hey, can you help me respond? You're not alone. There's so many people who will help you respond. And even if someone comments, you can then ask someone, like, hey, I need your help. Like, I've done that to my friends before where, like, I've gotten into an uh." Dispute about something like, let's say, abortion, and I'd ask someone like, I don't want it to just be me talking, and I don't want it to be an argument. I want it to be a conversation, and that's what's so amazing about Facebook is you can turn things into a conversation and include more than one person on it. But um, when you post things that are that are ch- like challenging and people disagree with, ask them questions to get them talking. That way, it's not so like blatantly in your face. So, say you posted an article about abortion. And, um, like, take an extreme example. Maybe there was a woman who died because of abortion. There was one who died recently, I think, in Alabama. And um, post the link to the article and say, you know, this is really interesting. This woman died after having had an abortion. Like, what do you think about that? Or, like, something more specific to that article. That way people who disagree with you can comment and you can have a conversation. This is why, how you evangelize. You have conversations with people. So just... It's simple, just one step at a time. Don't be scared.
0: Any other questions before, yes, Erin?
1: From my own personal experience, it's usually when we're having the same conversation for the fifth time, and I'm, uh, you know, it's when we're exchanging YouTube comments, you know, back and forth. You know, I, see, I hear a bleep on my phone. He's responded again. I'm going to get him this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything Timur said is great. The the best technique for apologetics or anything related to the faith I've ever found is ask questions. You know, if you ask somebody a question, then that puts them to explain to you how they see things. So you are giving them an opportunity to speak to the poor, ignorant Catholic who clearly doesn't understand the real issues at hand with, you know, the Bible, the Pope, abortion, contraception, whatever it may be. You give them an opportunity to talk. And rather than saying, that's wrong because, you say, well, how would you deal with, say, this kind of issue? Because I could sort of see a bit of a logical problem going on there. How would you deal with that? And if you can keep it as a conversation, I th- generally I, th- I find you have much more, m- much more fruit because of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are some times when we've sort of gone around this little track before. I think we've probably said as much as we're going to say, I'm out, God bless. And there is always the temptation to do some very, very annoying things as as, as you leave. That I've had people pray for me on YouTube before. You know, they've typed out their prayer to God on YouTube so he can hear it. <laughs> you know, about this, you know, poor Mary, worshiping Catholic, um, or you know, the nice little snide remark for the uh, for this this moron who thinks that you know fetuses are people. Um, again, you know. Beauty, truth, wisdom. If you can if you can present your case and ask questions and, and leave the person knowing that they've had an intera- a grace-filled interaction, you'll do infinitely better, I suggest.
2: I, sh- I should probably just... Okay, really quick. Um, I would just say I agree with if it's going in a circle start, but sometimes, you know, it's about being personal too. There's a time to take it off of Facebook and have an actual conversation, even if it's maybe in a private message, but... I totally agree with David otherwise.
0: Okay, so let's bring it back together. We're going to do a couple little debriefs. Does anyone have oh, does anyone have anything to share? in um, number two. As you guys are gathering your checks to pay, let's do a couple little debrief. In what ways has social media helped nurture your friendship? Friendships in what way has it caused problems? Anybody? Nurtured. What ways has it nurtured your friendships? Just shout it out. Shout it out. Come on. I know there's good conversations going on. Uh, Yes. People you haven't seen in a while, long distances, connections, staying connected. Any other things that social media has helped nurture with your friendships? Okay. What about... um, problems? Has it caused any problems? Like David mentioned, you almost lost a friend. Yes, Bernadette? Yes, when you're a little impulsive yeah. and you just let it go. Chick-fil-A for dinner Whatever. and, and oh, started an argument. I don't know everything and I
1: don't want to say my brother randomly
2: commented on it this thing, like a really nice
0: conversation. Someone else like, a huh. like So a picture of her food. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Right. Hmm. Yes. When you took a risk, posted it, yeah. you got little slam. So it caused a little bit of uh, ostracization, maybe. Is that the right word? Distance from a, a friend from high school. We're doing that. A rift in the friendship. Okay. So in what ways has your faith grown through social media? I want to hear some comments on this. Has your faith grown through social? I I Google all the time. I'm like, what's the story about this? Or what do Catholics believe about that? And I've been Catholic my whole life. So I don't know. What about you? How has it helped you in your faith walk? What are some resources? Yes, Marissa. Yes. mm-hmm on great and that and the on great so hmm yes so um, again witnessing to each other great any other yes how has it helped your faith journey yes Anna I get. he has control over his choices. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but um, I yeah. To me, like I, s- I spend a, a little bit too much of wasted time on Facebook. I look at the clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent 20 minutes looking around, browsing, and wasting time. Bored, yeah, because I I was I was bored. <laughs> so yes, if we could imagine what what could or imagine what we could do with that time we spend on Facebook to praise God and do something for God. So if you're not, yeah, so I suggest you use it to glorify him. So one quick question or one quick announcement, two quick announcements before you do a little evaluation. And as you turn your evaluation in, I'm going to let you choose from my saint packet here. I have a whole bunch of my favorite saints, St. Anthony, St. Augustine, And the deal is you just face it down, and you get to pick one. There's a couple, Maria Goretti, there's Our Lady of Lourdes, St. Therese. These are John Paul II, he's my favorite. Anyways, so as you turn in your evaluation, I'll give you a saint card. Okay, so in addition to that, come back next week. It's actually going to be theology on tap, so this is a pre- uh, just for the 18, just you all, 18, 25-year-olds. Next week is going to be for everybody, 20s and 30s included. Um, and the topic is Mary, Saints, and Angels, and much more. So Mama Mary, since it's the um, the month of Our Lady of the Rosary, we're going to be talking about Mary, Saints, and Angels. I'm very excited. And Kim Barber is going to be, Kimberly Barber is going to be speaking, Michael Barber's wife and Michael Barber, as you know, is a phenomenal speaker, but I have a little secret. Kim Barber is even better. Sorry, that's my little personal opinion. <laughs> Anyways, come back next week. And then the following week, as Timory said, Dr. George Dogado is going to be talking about healing the culture, bringing um, faith, or what is it? Who's got it? Bringing something back into um, sexuality and something. Anyways, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember, but Dr. Delgado is going to be talking about the five specific non-negotiables as we go to vote, what we as Catholics believe are non-negotiables, and I'm sure you can guess what they are, life from um, birth, from conception to natural death, et cetera, et cetera, so the five non-negotiables, he's going to touch on that, and he's going to be doing a PowerPoint and share his story, how he became um, a doctor specifically that does not prescribe contraceptions, does not perform abortions, and helps women bring their babies to term and uh, provide all sorts of resources for women that would have otherwise aborted their babies. So he's an amazing man, and he's also going to be with uh, Roger Lopez, who's coming, and he's a big pro-life advocate. So both uh, next two Tuesdays, same time, same place, and then uh, Iron Mountain Hike on the August, October 20th. Nicholas, will you raise your hand? If you want to go hiking for the 18-25 years only, this is special. Nicholas is gonna be going to be going for a, a strenuous, awesome hike. And then there, uh, we're trying to get a Halloween party connect, or, uh, scheduled. So Marissa, we'll see how that goes um, in the East County possibly. So stay on uh, yeah, Facebook Make sure you check, check Facebook. Open your emails. And then, in addition, talking about social media, if you'd like to receive a text message, who does not receive text messages from my office yet? Raise your hand. Great. Then hold up your phone. Hold up your phone. And we're going to do it right now. Hold up your phone. If you'd like to receive text messages once in a while, depending on what event is coming up, uh, you're ga- going to dial like it's a new person, like you'd be calling me, eight84. So, do this now. 84576. And this is on the flyer as you leave if you don't do it now. 84576. 84576. And then you're going to type, like you would be sending me a message, a new message, a text message. You would write YYAM. Stands for Younger Young Adult Ministry. YYAM. Got it? So, you dial 84576. You type in YYAM. And then you send. And it will send you a confirmation, so we can track you and let you know. What? Eight four. Oh, sorry, I did it too fast. Eight four. Five, seven, six, and then you type in YYAM sent. YAM, uh, yes, a y y a m. Younger, Younger Ministry. Okay, so we also are having Theology on Tap on Thursdays at John Paul the Great Catholic University, so all these people, you'll see them. It's for everybody, Thio- so Theology on Tap is for 20s and 30s. We have fantastic speakers, Michael Barber, Father Andy Yonin, and we have a sister, Tarbitha, she's going to be talking about um, friendships, how friendships um, lead us to virtue and happiness. So... Um, kind of a Aristotelian um, take on that, so it's very exciting. She's going to be a great speaker, and all the topics are going to be listed on the flyer that you're going to get once you give me your evaluation, and I give you the gift, the, the gift card, the um the prayer card, and a flyer. So, is there anything I forgot? Let's give David and Timmy a big round of applause again. Yes. <laughs> Pretty pretty good for pinch for pinch hitters, don't you think? And please pray for Father Jacob. I'm sorry? Yeah, that was very inspiring. Awesome. Thank you, David. I had a feeling you would be a great speaker at doing this. So yes, it's all about the accent. <laughs> and he has a blog, right? So it's all that matters. So um I hope you enjoyed tonight. And again, I the whole point is to again help you grow in your relationship with Christ, number one. Number two, do this in a, an awesome community. So we'll have more of these type of things. I don't know when, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions, that's what the evaluation is for. So we can put this into practice. And if you have any interest in helping plan these things or have ideas, um, please step up. Nicholas was like, oh, I'll do a hike. That's all it took. Sure, Carrie, I'll do something. So if you are passionate about swing dancing or whatever, set a a date and a time and I'll put it on Facebook and text message everybody and you'll have a party right there so um have a wonderful rest of your week and let's do a quick closing prayer actually um Philip 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 will you grab the prayer next to my water oh it's Marissa it's by my water thank you oh the 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 prayer card sorry right by the water (laughs) Yes, you're the best, you're the best. Thank you. Okay, we're going to close with a prayer from Bishop Brom. If you didn't get one of these, I'd be happy to give this to you as well. It's, as you know, we're celebrating the year of faith starting Thursday, October 11th. And go on the website USCCB, talking about social media, to familiarize yourself. It's amazing. And the power of the Holy Spirit is really uh, working. And I know, especially with this critical election year, uh, that we need faith now more than ever. So keep this in your prayers um, and repeat after me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Live in my mind. Dwell in my heart. Be my companion on the journey of life. Amen. name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So feel free to take one of these, the beautiful card. Uh, Just a little symbolism, a little 101 here. The boat is the church and how we're all journeying through life. There's a mast. It's IHS. Do you know what that stands for? Short version of Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, the sun is the Eucharist, basically, or the sail that the wind is going through the sails, the little circular part. Yay. So there you go. So take one and uh, be inspired. That's what I'm doing. So God bless you, and we'll see you hopefully again soon next week if you're available. God bless you. Have a good night.